all the way up. Hi, guys, and welcome to the latest episode of the MSC Performance Podcast with me, Mark Olson, and Mr. Luke Rogers. For those of you watching on YouTube, you might notice Luke's wearing a nice new MSC T-shirt. He's doing a little spin for us. If you're listening on Spotify, you're not not really going to take it in. But we have some new merch available, which you might have seen on our social media channels, uh, limited edition uh, T-shirt to coincide and celebrate the fact that we had the um, Commonwealth Games here in Birmingham, um, which was a fantastic event. So the T-shirt has the uh, the famous MSC logo on the front. It has the bull. If you're listening on Spotify, Luke's twirling at the moment. He's doing a little <laughs> twirl. Uh, it's got the bull on the back, which um, the big sort of mechanical bull that was uh, that was made, uh, the sort of overlord that watched over us during the games. Um, it's kind of paying homage to that and the successful event that was the Commonwealth Games 2022. Um, so it's a nice little special edition uh, T-shirt. If you're interested in purchasing one, uh, you can purchase them at the gym. Uh, they are going like hotcakes. Hot they are going fast, very, very fast. So mainly get, to the getting staff. Quick, but, getting but quick. Are... Yeah, basically all the staff have just basically bought <laughs> Two, one. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, get in there quick, guys. And I dare say if they do sell up in a day or two, we might have to make another order, I no. think. No, one off okay. only. One, one off, off only. only. If yeah. you miss out, then tough, tough shit. Yeah. You've missed out. Yeah. Um, how are you, Luke? You've been um, a little bit, a little bit busy. We, we've missed your presence in the in the in the gym. Um, it's been bloody busy. Thanks for yeah. leaving us. I in chose the, a great week lurch. to go. Chose a great week to go. Um, those of you uh, who've been training at MSC will know how uh, busy it's been lately, which is fantastic. Uh, lots of new members over the summer period, which is uh, which is bloody brilliant. Um, but you've been a busy boy yourself. What's been What's been going on? Yeah, I had a um, well about eight or nine days in um, Istanbul, and I say Istanbul in the loosest terms. Um, it was an hour away from Istanbul, so on right. false pretense, they lured me to Istanbul uh, to coach it for the the Great Britain junior team uh, at the IPF World Championships, Fantastic. which was uh, yeah, it's like the fourth one I've done now. I think. I did. What age is the junior? <clears throat> With sub junior as well, so some of it like the youngest are like I think the youngest I handled was seventeen, hmm. but it could be like anywhere from sixteen up to twenty three. Um, so like the the best guys are kind of on the cuff of turning into like the open or the senior category, uh, but there is younger like the sub juniors are like yeah under eighteen. Um, so yeah, coaching those uh, for five days always fantastic to be a part of. It's hard work. Um, the long days, I got a bit under the weather when I was over there, which is starting to feel a little bit better now, but I think that's inevitable. You're in bloody, yeah, you're in Turkey. You've got hundreds of powerlifters or, yeah, lots and lots of powerlifters, if not hundreds, crammed into one room, sweating. There wasn't really much air circulation. It was inevitable that he was going to get ill. For sure. But, uh, sure. but I had a fantastic time. Always great to be surrounded uh, with that team. And yeah, I love being a part of it. What, so, was, the, uh, what was the size of the, the squad? Was it a big team we took over? The GB team is massive. Like the the take a full team for sub juniors, the take a full team for women, uh, for sub junior women, sub junior boy uh, men, and then the junior men and women. So the take a full team. What's it's, a full team? How many are we talking? It's uh, eight eight junior men, eight junior sub junior men, and the same for wow. the women. So 16, 32, 30, 32. 32 athletes. So and wow. there's uh, there's uh, six coaches. Yeah, and then you're pretty much splitting it evenly. So. Yeah. The first day is fantastic. You're on such a false pretense. You get there, you're like, there's a water park there. So you're going down the slide, you're having a great time. And then the day after, you like got three sessions back to back or two sessions back to back, I think it was. And then you, you went in amongst it. 
Um, so yeah, but yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's it's really cool because like I mean, they're getting younger and younger, and they're getting better and better every single year. Like some of the You're getting older and older. That's and I'm getting older. The, the gap. <laughs> It's getting harder. Like the banquet is getting harder every year. It was like 11 o'clock. I was like, I might go on now with Adam. Um, but then I uh, yeah, managed to muster the energy to stay for one more. But it's getting uh, it's getting harder. Uh, but these kids now, are the, I mean, I started powerlifting, I think, at 23. There was a guy there called uh, Nonso, who <laughs> one of the coaches kept calling him Nonce, which I'm not sure how well that went down. But anyway, he, he tended to do like 325 at 105 and he's 17. Jeez. And it's funny, as people talk about it now, like he's he said he's been powerlifting since January, so that's like no time whatsoever. He's obviously got a sporting background, he's obviously done bodybuilding, he's in great shape. But 325 deadlift, brought the world record, huge. and he's 17. It's huge. And he's so raw with it. Oh, it could wow. be like, I mean, the, the problem with the sub juniors is always the jump from sub junior to junior when you go from being 17 to competing against the 23 year olds. That five years is probably the hardest five years to yeah. gain back because being 23 versus 25, 26. If you've trained all that time, it's not as big of a deal. But going from 17, 18 to then going in the, the open category, uh, the junior category, is super tough. But if he can stick it out, whew. do you think in five or you know, five or seven years or ten years, do you think that do you think records are gonna be getting broken left, right, and center in the open? Because guys are, mm-hmm. you know, starting off so much younger now. Do you do you, do you feel like it's gonna I think the standard's gonna keep getting better and better? The standard will keep getting better and better. Um, I think the danger is is trying to convince the junior lifters to stay in powerlifting um, and to see it through. Mm, you go mm. from being like, you see it from junior to like, you know, one of the lifters, uh, he came, um, I think came third at Worlds, Nathan. Fantastic lifter, really sound guy. Uh, but he's like, oh, this will probably be my last year of powerlifting because he's becoming a lawyer. Yes. And you go from being doing lectures and it's hard being at uni, obviously, but it's not the same as doing like a 60, 70 hour week of being a lawyer, yeah. like a top end lawyer yeah. in London. The stress of that is just too much. And he's like, yeah, this is probably going to be my last year. Or at least pushing it as hard as he wants to push it. Yeah, that's interesting. I suppose because the sport is gym-based and let's be honest, to get to, you know, to keep pushing and get to a good level, it's got to be, you know, four sessions a week, hasn't it really? I mean, you could maybe get by on three, maybe maybe you're looking at five, but to, to you look at, you know, good lifters and I know with yourself, it's been about consistency over the years of like, hitting those sessions not missing sessions and like that's tough you can be a good level like rugby player or play or footballer or cricketer yeah. or something like that and you you can be you need the gym but you're not like yeah you know if you miss the odd session or you miss the odd week or you're to and from a little bit like you can you can probably get away with it but in yeah. a strength sport you you can't so it's requiring you to be down the gym four times a week. Having said that, people but talk also, about mate, rugby and football yeah. and stuff as, oh, yeah, as yeah, they're yeah. getting to work as well. So, you know. The, but- other, the, the thing about this powerlifting as well is like, it's four times a week, which doesn't sound that much, but it's like three hours. <laughs> if, I mean, yeah. Nathan, Nathan's lifting more than me. He's deadlifted, you know, every time he deadlifts, it will be over 250. So every time he goes into the gym, it takes forever to warm up. He'll be in the gym at least three hours. Yeah. So he's got to do that like three times during the week and then once on the weekend while doing like mad long days. It's super tough, man. Yes. And I think yeah. the guys that then like stick it out into the open, the majority of them have like lower stress jobs or the work as in powerlifting, like they're either a powerlifting coach yeah, um, or they're doing like a, a lower stress job and then they're able to kind of push it on. But these guys that are coming through, some of them are trying to get like these high end jobs and something has to give. Yeah, no, so. it is. That is interesting. Because <clears throat> on the flip, he's got a bit of a rivalry with a guy called James, who's in the ninety-three class, and I think he, if I'm correct, I think he works as like a PT, mm. and he works in a gym. 
Mm. So the difference then, like they're around the same level at the minute, like they're the kind yeah. of flipping who's best. Yeah. But in three years' time, when if James is still working as a PT, it's going to be a lot easier for him to get his sessions in the middle of the day. Yeah, be stringent with his like you know planning and his clients and making sure he's leaving himself that gap to gap to train. And you're already in the gym, so obviously it doesn't he's, make he's it going to be easier. three two till five probably yeah. if he's doing PT stuff. Yeah, so he'll be able to get his sessions in, and then yeah. the gap will just get bigger. So. I do think the level will keep going up and up. I think the thing that it's just got like books recognized as well. So it's now mm. an official book sport. So that's going to hopefully drive people in. There's more funding. The mm. uni sports gets a little bit bigger, but like the level already is just ridiculous. Like, I don't know how much higher it can keep going up. Yeah. We just keep finding these kids that can definitely 325. And it's yeah. like, fucking hell, man. 325. It's huge. I mean, like anything north of 300, regardless oh, of body weight. Yeah. You know, you always say, and I always agree that, you know, if you can back squat two, we're maybe not talking elite level powerlifting here, but like it's if, strong, you squat, it, yeah. if you squat 200 kilos, like it's strong. You're very like, strong. It's yeah. strong. Like it doesn't matter what, almost irrelevant of body weight, etc. And like that, you know, I feel like that's the same with deadlift. If you, if you can deadlift three, three north of 300 kilos, like oh, mate, yeah. it's impressive. No questions like, asked. Yeah. No even questions if, asked. You're strong. Even if you're 130 kilo, 300 deadlift is. Yes, you're strong. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, good trip then. Good trip. There's uh, been a bit of been a rule change as well in, in powerlifting. I've seen which uh, with the with the bench press. Do you want to talk us talk, talk us through that? And you think you know the the impacts that that's gonna yeah. that's gonna have on the on the sport because it's quite a big one, right? It's really interesting actually because so Gaston who runs uh, the IPF he's like the he oversees it and he's been on about this rule for ages. And then every time someone kind of asks it like officially, they never say anything. So it's been like on the cusp of happening for ages. Mm. You hear little whispers like one of my clients, Andrew, competed at uh, Bench Worlds and he's like, change has definitely happened. He doesn't say what, but a change has definitely happened. And then another comes, someone else hears a whisper. And there's all these other whispers. And then when I was there, one of the uh, British guys put a post up saying he'd heard Gaston said to one of the Italians, I think it was, um, that there's going to be a rule change. And then Gaston ran up to me and he's like, you're British. And I was like, yeah, I'm British. He's like, someone's put up about the rule change. It's bullshit. Take it down. And I'm like, mate, I'm not his dad. Like, what, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> he's like, he, he, he was going mad. He's like, you got to take it down. You got to take it down. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So take, text, down, take it down. Why? Because he'd said that there's going to be a rule change, which four days later, there was a rule change. But he was saying, you got to nice. take it down. It's fake news. It's fake news. Take it down. So yeah, I had to message yeah. the bloody head coach for Britain and say, look, Gaston's just had a go at me on behalf of this kid. who's like an 18-year-old kid that's just posting for the sake of it. Yeah. And he had to take it down. Wow. And then like, she's not like, really adamant that it's not happening. It is happening. Blah, blah. And then like a week later, it's announced and it's done. So it's really funny. Like there's been whispered of it for ages, but the rule is now that you have to get, in the IPF at least, uh, you can't sit up with your feet on the bench, which mm. people aren't too bothered about because you can change that. Yeah. Yeah. But the other one is that you have to get your elbows down to a certain depth and it has to be in line with the shoulder. In line with the shoulder, yeah. And the yeah. awkward part of the minute is no one knows what the shoulder is. Like a couple of clients mm. have sent me videos and it's like, what do you think? And like the left arm looks high and the right arm looks about right. It's like, but if you look at it, this part of the shoulder or the middle or the top of the way where you think the joint the is. The bigger you, you, you guys might you know, make it a bit more difficult to judge as well. Yeah, it's going to be hard the, for the judges, it's right? It's super tough. The good thing is, is that like, the most, well, it is a good thing. Like, if you're a bigger guy, you probably haven't got a ridiculous arch, really mm, short arms. True. So you're probably benching quite low. The main people that's affected are the, are the lightweight categories, and in particular, the women. The big archers. The ridiculously big archers, small yeah. range of motion. Um, 
so yeah, like all yeah. of a sudden now everyone has to get to a certain depth and the rule starts from January. So then the question is then is like, do you change your bench press technique now? Or do you do it? Do you like carry on the year if you've got a competition? So I've got a, of everyone I train, I think there's one person, maybe Andrew was a little bit borderline, but one person, Rachel in Scotland, um, she's a fantastic bencher. She benches like 95, at 60 kilos by the way. She's very strong, but high arch, mm-hmm. small range of margin. And she was the one that was a bit like, oh, might have to change the technique. Sent over a couple of pictures and it's like, <laughs> You suddenly realise how asymmetrical people are because everyone's one side touches lower than the other. Yeah. Um, but she's got a comp in November and it's like, do you change it now? And then reduce your bench down by five kilos, but you give yourself longer to build up towards the British in March mm. or do you change it in November? Yes. And I've said, yeah. change, I'd say continue as you are now and then change it in November. Yeah. Because she's also got a chance of doing like maybe Commonwealths. I'm not sure. But... That's it. Is it? it depends on this, on how important the competition is, I guess, yeah. isn't it? But um, yeah, it's... Um... You know, from from a from my point of view, I was going to ask, a, what do you a, think as a yeah. powerlifter enjoyer, but not a, a powerlifter enjoyer? Yeah, someone who doesn't compete in powerlifting, but obviously has an interest in it. Yeah, we set MSC up as an S and C gym with a bit of a powerlifting bias because you know, of my interest in it, your interest in it, obviously, etc. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like a one hundred percent positive move for. A spectator like my like myself, yeah, for a spectator, um, because I think you're, you know, you, you just you see these videos going round, and it's absolutely nothing against the lifters because at the end of the day, like the rules I'm, I'm a competitive rules. sportsman myself, yeah. you push the rules to, you know, well they're not even pushing the rules, they're 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 lifting using the rules, they're lifting yeah. within the rules, and the rules, you know, were as they were or as they are, and you can work within that and they're doing, you know, why would you not reduce your, if you've got the ability to, to arch your back like that, um, reduce the range of move, movement to produce a better number and therefore give yourself a better chance of winning your sport. I'm all for that. Like there's no, there's no uh, drama against any of the the lifters who, who do that. And again, being a bit of sportsman myself, you, you know, you do what you can yeah. within the rules. Um, you know, to, to do the best that you possibly uh, you possibly can. Um, but here it, comes it, the but. No, but it's, it, there's going to be nothing there's against, be, nothing, yeah, yeah. Again, it's literally nothing against the lifters. But in terms of the rules of the sport, like I do think there was, you know, the issue with the rules and how they were before. You are seeing these, you know, bench presses where, you know, I do worry it's not a true reflection of, you know, maximal strength because the range of movement is so minimal and I understand it's a very, very hard thing to, to judge and to yeah. change. No wonder it's taken a while to get the rules changed because, you know, it's, we've spoken about it before. What do you do? Like, how do you, how do you change it? But I do think as a, as a um, interested spectator and having spoken to casual spectators as well, you know, as I say, it's just not great to watch someone bench with such a minimal range of, of of motion when it's at the extreme at the extreme end so the the thought for me initially you know this is all very new and just thinking about it it seems like a positive change for you know from my point of view where we're going to see you know probably you know a flatter flatter black back i imagine um a, a greater range of movement and for me that's just a bit better to watch it's a bit more representative of like strength through uh, a, a full pressing range of of motion to be honest so it sounds positive 
from my point of view. I think everyone's got their own like individual bias. So I'm going to be coming at it from someone that's you know, fairly flat backed, decent range of motion. It doesn't sure. affect me in the in the slightest. It's a positive for me. Nothing will change for you. Nothing changes for me. A couple of my competitors lose a few kilos on the bench. So it's all positive for me. So it's easy for yeah. me to say this is fantastic. I can see it from both sides because then the, the, there are arguments, the other side, which is A, like, I mean, I heard someone say that it's a barrier for for women getting into the sport, which I'm not sure if it is because most women entering the sport haven't got this ridiculous arch. So I'm not sure if that's so much of an issue, but it's at least like it's it's punishing someone who, if you're if you've got that setup of the high arch and the small arms, really small range of motion, you're naturally going to be good at bench and you're going to be not as good at deadlift. Mm-hmm. So it's punishing them at the lift that they're good at and it's not taking anywhere, anything away from the others. Like the guys that got lung arms, they're still able to lock out the deadlifts and the deadlift might just be above the knee. Well, for them, it might be right up by the hips. Yeah. And it's the same with squats some like ridiculously short femur, wide, wide stance. They haven't got to change anything while they might have to do like lung femur full squat. So it's only punishing the one lift. But on the flip to that is like the extremes of the bench, which they they said that they've looked at all the records in the last couple of years of Worlds and it only affects 5% of competitors. And that's at Worlds where the naturally better lifters will be. So the guys with these extreme setups will be at the Worlds. They won't be at the, the West Mids. Right. So you'd think that naturally at the top and apparently it only affects 5% of people. I mean, in the last week, you said about the arch. Everyone seems to be keeping the arch and taking the gripping. Oh, right. Because okay. people are trying to keep that same kind of stability, that same kind of mm. setup. And the argument is, is that like when they're in that high arch, everything's you know super restricted, everything's super tight, but they're just taking hands in. Obviously, some people with the super high arches are going yeah. to relax it. But like... I'm it's just, the range for me as yeah. a spectator. So it's the range, like, oh, nothing against like arch in the back. But like it's um, well, I mean, I've seen it where like there's the, the you know one video. inch range, and yeah. again, we are talking extremes, and you know, you, you're talking about like you know, yeah, I disagree with like the barrier to entry thing. I think like you don't see many women or men like getting into powerlifting and then like the, the, you know straight away they've got like an incredible arch like that. That takes work, doesn't it, to get yeah. into that into into those yeah. positions? That takes time, uh, a lot of training. Um, but like it's um that that's one thing that puts me off watching the bench. I think like I'd like to see like a bit more range of yeah of movement. So yeah. And I mean like like you know, Owen Hubbard's bench is he's probably the you know Owen, don't you? Mm-hmm. He's probably the one one of the most famous benches in, in Britain. Like he's got the we had I don't know if he's still got it, but he had the world record and he's like, he's got to change everything. He's got to go off. He has feet on the bench, which yeah. you now can't do. He's got a super high arch. He's got to change everything. But he has just said, he said his close grip is 210. Yeah. So like the best benches are still going to be the best still benches. Be strong, you just got to yeah. make a few changes. Yeah. Um. So you are punished, but it's going to get better. And I think like comparing a one inch bench press and some of them aren't even, aren't even an inch. I've seen some. That's what I'm talking about. Like, and, and again, this is like, it's almost like the CrossFit fails and the, you know, the videos like that. Like the ones that do the circulation are, like say less than an inch, yeah. like this you know, is, the one this, Jackie sends me or whatever. This is and I was gonna like, say this is the problem. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like some of you know, some so of the Max, like Max sent me one the other day, he said Justin, Max sends it me and he'd be like, Oh, powerlifting yeah. or strength sport. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. is because one of the reasons actually, one of the reasons people are annoyed is because Gaston has said it's because of the comments on his Instagram, which he should never have said. He shouldn't have said that. He should have just said it's because we want to like we want to move the sport forward. It's a super new sport. Rules change, man. Remember, like in basketball. You, you can't stand in the paint for more than three seconds. Before, mm. like, Will Chamberlain, I think, fucking seven foot something, just used to stand there. Yeah, football the, with a back pass, like, you used to be, if you were yeah. 1-0 up, like, you could just literally play yeah. it around Rules the box. Rules change, man. Pass it back to your keeper who could just pick it up, yeah. roll it back out, you know. 
and, 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 and people the, thought that was a mad yeah. like a mad change I don't know so much about that but like the Wilt Chamberlain one it changed because of one outlier some fucking seven foot six whatever guy just standing in the paint just standing there like they had to change it for one guy mm. so this is powerlifting changing for the extremes to move the sport forward and is it because it needs to be more spectator friendly they want to get into the Olympics so they're, they're, they're trying to push that forward the aim. they've been pushing for ages like because everyone's joking now saying oh Gaston thinks it's not getting in because people on Instagram are commenting shit but like, I, I also think it's a positive thing because it's I also like it is a swim sport and I I, I appreciate the technicalities of it because you see how technical it is because you'll see these people the room forever is so small that they'll miss it on the second and it'll be like absolutely nowhere near then the third one will just fly mm. it's so so technical and I can really appreciate it but when you try and justify it to like one of your friends and show them it like they just cannot understand it. It's hard to justify to and I personally as the a, average viewer, which <clears throat> if you want to grow the sport yeah. in the long term, you're gonna yeah. need more viewers. So it needs to be more spectator friendly. Yeah. And even as like as a powerlifter and as a powerlifter and as a powerlifter competitor, I just think it's 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 better for the sport long run. And not everyone's super positive about it, but I am I'm pretty positive about it. And I still think the best benches are gonna be the best benches. You're just gonna make a couple of adjustments. They need to clear up the rule change as well, because at the minute, like the shoulder, it's, it's a bit grey. It doesn't really say, this is exactly where it happens. Like with the squat depth, it's top of the knee mm-hmm. increase. With this, it doesn't particularly say. Um, so as soon as it starts to clear up, and then you, you need to see it ref a few times as well. Because at the minute, like, refs are like, how the hell am I Refs will be nervous, eh? Yeah, yeah. How, how, <laughs> how am I going to judge this? Like, mm-hmm. no one knows how to do it. So once that's happened and the ball starts rolling, I think everyone will be a bit more open to it. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a positive. So it's been done to grow the sport, presumably. Like, do you think, you know, what, what else do you think powerlifting could do to get into the Olympics? Or, I mean, imagine there'll be politics involved in that. But, like, what, what, can, the, what can the sport do to, to, to grow, do you think? I think that the answer for them is different depending on which one you're going for. So if you're going for the Olympics, I think, like, it's doing all the right things. Like, drug testing is quite high. Yeah. Um, but what I will say, right, is when you get to, like, Again, sounds like a bit biased. Get to a regional level competition, right? The atmosphere is better than Worlds. And it's it's so stupid that I'm saying that. Yeah. Like, someone will come out, some random person, first competition. Yeah, it's and a brilliant like, atmosphere, yeah. Yeah, great atmosphere. Yeah. Get to Worlds, man. I remember this one point, and it was like, um, I can't remember the lifter, I can't remember the category, but it was like, they're going, they're trying to pull for the win. And I turned around, and there's like a group of people on the phone. There's about 20 people watching no one's making a noise and I'm like fucking hell I'm trying to pull for the win and no one's interested and it's like you're at the world championships and there's no atmosphere it's mm. terrible mate when I competed it was terrible I had a, you know five or six people there but apart from them it's so quiet you're so reliant what? I don't know well because like obviously if I said to you do you want to come and watch me lift I'm lifting in Canada yeah you're not going to come to Canada to push to try and get you to uh, come to uh, to super train <laughs> which is an hour away um, so obviously all your friends and family aren't there but there's just not enough I don't know there's nothing there to create this right, atmosphere yeah, I suppose, the yeah. year before in Sweden right so Russ Ahori who's the the high, the the most known powerlifter he's coming out and on his second lift he does this to the crowd he's like come on get let's get going mm. and then he stopped and then he looked at the crowd and then he had to do it again mm. and he's like he's asking for a little bit of energy from the crowd and there was no energy and he's the highest level guy so actually when you're at these high level the, the atmosphere is terrible it's, mm. it's shocking mm. 
I think in terms of trying to grow that forward and trying to get that better, like moving towards competitions, like you probably not see them, but there's like the abs pro and they're the complete opposite. Like they're never going to be Olympics because you know, the Olympics is like, like where it's super clean. Sure. Yeah. You know, they've got like fire breathers. They've got this man called Gene who dresses up like a pirate and he's doing the fucking, he's doing the I'm sold. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> mate, there's like, there's, there's, there's women coming out with like, yeah, fire breathing in the bikinis. <laughs> People love that stuff. Like it's it's an cr- incredible spectacle to watch, and then you compare it to worlds where it's like no one's watching. So I think in terms, I think trying to make it more of a spectacle because like to me, I, when I go to these worlds, like it's fantastic. You've you've represented your country, but I don't know how many people actually like say, "Oh my god, that was the best comp I've ever done." In terms of like atmosphere, it's amazing because you've represented your country. You might have had a good lift, but it's they're, they're not good comps to be at compared to like other comps where like it's a ridiculously good spectacle. And if you listen to the live stream when someone comes out for lift and you can't hear anything, hmm. it's terrible. Wow. So I think if you want to get into the NBA sports, you probably go down this trap. But like, if they ever decided that like, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen because as I too many failed drug tests or weightlifting, there's too many failed drug tests. You're going to have the same problem in powerlifting. Yeah. We're going to scrap the idea because they used to have the pirate guy at IPF. Yeah. And then they got rid of him because like, oh, we're trying to clean up this image for the Olympics. And now they've got some yeah. old man and he's just like, no lift, okay. It's yeah. a bit like that. It's just no atmosphere. The, the weightlifting uh, thing has probably not helped powerlifting actually. No, exactly. Because, you know, it's the Olympic <laughs> committee or whatever, they'll probably see them, you know, in a very, very similar bracket well they are in a similar bracket yeah. aren't they in terms of olympic sports like as a strength sport two strength sports there once again exactly all the tests why would they have won that exactly exactly so yeah, yeah it's definitely- oh, you're better off cutting your losses and forgetting about an olympic legacy for the next 20 years and actually like getting your fire breathers in getting your cheerleaders in or whatever it might be yeah you know to to, to ramp it up and make it more spectator spectator friendly like Little things like that. I mean, you know, it's uh, probably a bit off piece, but like seeing um, the athletics, like the Commonwealth, like the sprinters, like I really liked how um, when they they come on one at a time rather yeah. than like old school, they'd all just walk out and like they come on one at a time. There's an arch, there's like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. you know a bit of fire, and then it's like introducing the lifter and like it's a little bit like Americanization, it's a little bit cheesy, but like I loved it. I think it was yeah. great. Like in you know, and they do a little pose and then they come out and get that get an individual cheer as well. And I wonder if that sort of vibe with well, powerlifting the- might be the way to 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 go. I'd have love you- to see you jump through a ring of fire, mate. And have you seen the uh cartwheel you- into what would you song with would you entry mean? I have a think, but I have a think, yeah. But have you watched the strongman? Yeah. The strong man's the same man. Like the yeah. film, obviously, for Teddy, but you're like, next stop, firm island. Yes. And it's yeah, the bring yeah, them yeah. out. They've got the flag. It's fucking fantastic. Like, just to know a little bit about the lifter before, like, if it goes, I don't know, next up, we have um, Susie, and she's a teacher from Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> and then she comes out, and, like, and then, like, you watch it, like, oh, she's a teacher. And then you start talking about it. I think, I think that's pretty cool. Like, just getting to know the lifters a little bit more. When we did the West Mids comp, we asked them, like, where the entry form, like, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then they can write down, like, so not everyone does it, but you might say EPBs, you might say, oh, it's my second comp, I'm really nervous, or I do this as a job. So then it gives the commentator something to say, so it helps you get that connection with the crowd, because the crowd's there to support mm. the one person they know. But if they start to, like, oh my God, like that person's a mechanic. Mm. And then you start to get into the other person. Like Little things like that really do help. And I think knowing yeah. the lifters and what they're doing in the background is is cool. It does make sense. I think with the, like say, the the local comps having more atmosphere, it does, that does make more, more sense. Like if you're lifting in Birmingham or down the road, like, 
you know, like if, it, if, it, clubs, if, it, yeah. if there's a competitor Messi, for example, like you get loads of people coming down for like, you know, you think, oh, pop down for a couple of hours, see some like, you know, real heavy deadlifts and well, like the see some yeah. like, there'll be some atmosphere, there'll be some atmosphere, there'll be people there because it's like easily accessible. You get to see people lifting like insane weights and you could, yeah, I can imagine now like the atmosphere of that compared to like, okay, lose compete worlds in Canada. It's like, fuck me, that's like, you know, grand yeah, flight there and back yeah. and like, you know, it's like, um, it's you know, getting off work for that and all that sort of stuff makes it, makes it quite, quite tough really. And it's just the sport isn't big enough. Like for, to, you know, if you, like, you know, if you're running out for England at the Euros, like in football, like, you know, it's, it's probably a bit different, isn't it? It's not as much of a spectator sport is it's it not, but how you know how do you how do you get it to those level and it's never going to be football it's, it's not r- rugby's never going to be football like your football's on a different planet but like you know how do you how do you move forward that's the that's the that's the key and maybe that's it is the maybe the rule change will help maybe the entertainment side of it making it a little less uh, i don't know well, the word, you know, like say clean as a as an example yeah. word of like you know um, making it prim and proper. Yeah, you know maybe it is a case of getting the you know ramping the crowd up, haven't it? Because I've, I've you know obviously not been to as many as I'd like, but I've been to a few, and it is a cracking atmosphere. Like yeah, yeah, it yeah. is brilliant. Like it's really good. Um, you know, so yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um. We had a, uh, I think a member earlier, might have been uh, recently, who said to you about bands and chains. Should we yeah. have a little little chat about that? Was uh, what was it, what was the uh, question? It was referring back to one of our previous podcasts, was yes? I never seen him before. He came down, really nice lad. Um, he just asked. He said, "All right, in a podcast before you mentioned for powerlifting that you don't really like bands and chains." This is kind of we're getting into the Q and A now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. yeah. So we have a few questions for the Q&A, but the first question was not for the Q&A, but I thought it was worth touching on. And he's like, oh, you did a podcast about a year ago. I can't remember doing it, to be honest, but <laughs> he said we did it. Um, and he said that um, we said on the podcast that we didn't think that chains and bands had much merit for powerlifting. Mm. The question was, is why do we have bands and chains at the gym? Yeah. Because they look cool. The, the, uh, the chain, the chain. If you cool. want to, if you want to be a hardcore, you wrap gym, it around you have your neck. Chains you wrap dips. around your neck like the Rock and do dips. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what they're for. But it's a good question, and like it's a good question. Yeah, I it's think what we said at the park is what what I said to him. But I think it's worth touching on is that you don't really see people using bands and chains for the top end, or if you do, it's quite rare. Um, but they have got a lot of a lot of merit for other sports and for for other stuff. This is really not about. It's going to turn into a not powerlifting question. Yeah. Um, well, we'll go for a brief. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you, so, some maximal loading, you know, strength speed or the traditional term strength speed, 50 to 70%, maybe yeah. 50 to 80% of your one <laughs> max with bands, with chains, accommodating resistance. Um, there's good merit for there's the, good, there's good. There's good the merit for it. So, you're probably looking at, um, you know, a little bit more use for field athletes than you are powerlifters, to be honest. Um, so, um, you know, if you're yeah a, r- a rugby player and you're doing a, a, a banded box squat, for example, um, you know there can be there can be some some merit to that for for sure. Top accommodator resistors definitely research has shown a lot more favourable for 
let's say power work yeah, as opposed definitely. to top end top end strength work so accelerating through the chain through the band obviously as you're accelerating your joint angles changing you're coming towards top you know um you know towards full range of, of movement the resistance is increasing therefore you're having to maintain your your top speed your top output throughout the throughout the movement whereas traditionally like if you're doing like a let's say a rugby player typically might do a box squat that's parallel or slightly above you know once they're past that first three or four range they're inches, down, of, inches so, of yeah. you know uh, of movement then they're, they're slowing down at the at the top of the movement and the resistance has been overcome by that point um and with a with bands or chains the resistance is continuing um as you know, or even increasing sorry as we as we you know push higher up into into those higher joint angles yeah yeah the only uh the only merit i would use it for for powerlifters not so much for like powerlifting specific training but if someone was coming back from like a injury where they might not be able to load up like let's say a squat they're finding it really uncomfortable in the deep part of the uh, of the squat, like maybe the quad mm. um, can only tolerate, let's say, 100 kilos. You might add bands or chains to add a little bit more resistance kind of through the mid portion of the top where the quad can actually tolerate a bit more work. But in that bottom position where you're finding things a little bit uncomfortable to load, if you did like a banded squat, let's say 100 kilo at the bottom, 140 at the top, you're getting a little bit more work through the mid portion without kind of aggravating the quad. Yeah. And I think that could be the case for, for a lot of exercise. Let's say bench, you're finding the bottom part beating up your pecs you might do a 60 kilo press rather than 100 but add some bands or chains at the top i don't really use it very often i haven't used it for years but that's one of the merits that yeah. i can see using it yeah i also like the bands for squats because it has like that active kind of pulling down yes um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, when you're yeah. trying to do it when you're trying to learn to control your descent yeah, a bit of tissue tolerance in the bottom position yeah right yeah rather than just having the static play which doesn't really have any active pull the bands actively pulling down force you to be a little bit more controlled a little bit tighter um, in the bottom exactly so i do like them for there but like you never see I mean, you see the occasional person, but in raw powerlifting, you very rarely see someone using bands and chains these days. And if they do, it's like a secondary day. Um, it's super, super rare. And I think the reason is, is that like, they're not got much merit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for, for top ends, for, for speed, for power work, I think, yeah, that's why we have them more for your feel based stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. So we have had a, a Q and A, um, which we put on, uh, yeah, put on Instagram the, the other day. Uh, there we go. Um, cool. So we talked a little bit about um, obviously like how to grow the sport of powerlifting, but how you know the first question from one of our one of our members, uh, Ethan. Uh, how do you get started in powerlifting? What are the channels to go down, etc. And then in brackets, thank you. That's nice. Which is very nice, isn't it? That's nice. Um, yeah. So to get into powerlifting, you need to be well. You don't have to be a member of a specific powerlifting federation. I would look at what competitions are available within your area. The biggest one for raw powerlifting or classic powerlifting, which is what most people do, um, would be British powerlifting. But then you've also, the comps get super full, which is one thing we was going to speak about, but we didn't really get around to. Comps are getting super full. So I would just find what, what federation has got available competitions to yourself. Um, and then from there, you can enter the competition. You probably need to join that federation. So for British Powerlifting, it's super simple. You join British Powerlifting membership, which you can pay for the year. I think it's like £50. Um, and then from there, you can enter the West Midlands competitions. Um, so once you've entered, 
your competition. If you're qualified for English or British, you can go to there. You can also do different regions competitions. So if you wanted to do like the super training comps, which are quite popular, they're about an hour away, um, or like North Midlands, East Midlands, which are fairly close. You can also do those if they're accepting guest lifters. But all you need to do is be a member of British Powerlifting. Um, so you might do like a BDFPA comp, which is a different federation. They might have comps near yourself or days which suit yourself better. Same idea, you join BDFPA, enter the competition, and then you win. If you do the British powerlifting ones, like in terms of equipment, you don't particularly need anything. You'll see people wearing like knee sleeves, a belt, wrist wraps, etc. You don't particularly have to wear them, but it obviously helps if you do have them. Um, you would just have to check the rules within the the federation that you've joined and what they allow you to use. Mm. For example, BDFPA, you can't wear knee sleeves. British powerlifting, you can wear knee sleeves. You have to wear a certain type of belt, etc. So check the rule book, see what you can use. Uh, but in terms of joining Super Straightforward, you buy an annual membership and then you're pretty much done. Just choose the competition that you want to do and then you're entered. What if someone's nervous about the kind of level, you know, wanting to know what kind of level to, to go in? Is, is yeah. you know, uh, someone worried potentially of, you know, they might not be strong enough? Yeah, know? sure. Or, That's su- super, super common. I mean, I also help win the best mid stuff. So you see all the time, like people say, oh, what level would be good for me to do my first competition? And I'll always say like, it, do, it doesn't matter, but to some people it does matter. So if you want to check, like I would just go through like the 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 federation that you're at, have a look at the regional results. Results and, and kind see of yeah. whereabouts you are. And the pub- it's very individual, isn't it, I guess? Like- it is. And the problem with regional is because people are coming in and out. One year you'll get someone total 800. The next year someone's totaling 500. There's no kind of consistency. But you can get an idea roughly of what the results yeah. are looking like. Yeah. There is no minimum standard for doing a regional competition. And some of the best, like people think they're going to get judged the best atmospheres are normally for like the nervous beginners because people can sense the nervous. They normally give them a bit more support. It's super supportive at like the regional level. At British level it is as well, but obviously you were going to see each other then and you're actually in a competition. At West Mids, most people are there just for themselves, just to enjoy it, get the best competition and get the PBs if they can get them. Um, and some of the best atmospheres I've seen have been like people have made a mistake on the first or they're really nervous yeah. and the crowd can really sense it and pick it up. Um, so there is no minimum standard to it. My advice is always kind of like, as long as you lift into good standards, like you understand what the rules are, enter a competition because the more times you can get it under the belt, the less nervous you're going to be coming into it. The more kind of competition time you get under your belt, the better you're going to be at doing it. Um, and there is no minimum standard, so there's nothing stopping you doing it straight away. I started powerlifting, and then within a month, I'd entered the comp. Yeah, I'd always obviously trained for years, but like powerlifting, I was like, just I went into powerlift. I found a company and yeah. it. But like you say, people will be different. Some people might feel like, yeah, they want to get a little bit better before they compete yeah. or whatever. So that's a good good answer, really. Well, I think in the, terms of checking that, the checking the results and yeah, check the results. I would I would say just don't leave because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to wait till I get to British level, and can maybe underestimate how hard it is to get to Britain uh, when there's only like ten or twenty people getting to British level. Like it is, it's tough to get there, and you might be putting it off for two three years, and then you have a change of life circumstance where you've had a kid or your job's got super stressful and you can't actually do it. So. I would just try, seize the day yeah. and uh, try and enter. As soon as you feel competing, competitive makes you so. better as well, doesn't it? Let's be honest. It really like, does. Got, There's you, a skill to it. You turn up, you get that comp done. Let's say you've been, you've been training three months or something like that. You go and do your comp. You've got a benchmark there. Yeah. I mean, you've got a standard to work from. And also, like you said, mistakes are obviously made when you're doing your first comp or something like that. So, you know, get it, <laughs> get, get the mistakes out of the way early, surely. The, fir- the first comp you do, you're walking around like a good. Like, you don't know where to weigh in. You don't know what weigh in is. You don't know where to go. You don't know where to get your rack eyes. When you've done one comp, you're like, oh, okay, so I'll get what I weighed in. Yeah. Then I do my rack eyes. And it's yeah. super easy. And you next time, once, you, you know, just walk you in. You know what you got last time. 
it's an argument for a little bit of feel good as well for like because you're going to improve Got you're going to do better exactly yeah. exactly so interesting one you said the the comps are filling up quickly then that's a, a that's, good thing. that's a good thing for it is a good so thing. the sport is growing you know the problem is because it's a volunteer sport the sport is growing at a rate that is faster than the amount of people that help out is how I oh, describe okay. it. So yeah. like for Westminster, there's like 10 of us that do it. We're not willing to do more than three comps a year. So people are monks. We only do three comps a year, but with, it's the same 10 people doing those three comps rather than having like 30 people. We could probably do nine comps. Mm. We could have like, if we had another team of 10, you could put in another three comps. We could do three. My workload would say the same. Someone else's workload could take in another three. You have six comps a year then. You have one every other month and it becomes a little bit more attainable. The issue is at the minute, it's in this kind of in-between spot where yeah. there's not enough people yeah. helping and there's an influx of people. Yeah. Eventually it'll balance out, but at the minute there's a shortage. And yeah. There's supply a short and demand. Is, uh... Yeah, yeah. There's more demand than yeah. there is supply of comps. And like they're filling out in like 10 minutes. Cool. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, this is from uh, Kat. Do you think the IPF will bring in new rules for sumo deadlift next? Yeah. I think so she said to me that she asked this as a job, but actually I think that she's genuinely nervous about it. Um, so <laughs> Gaston told me that they're getting rid of the sumo deadlift. No, I can't see the sumo ever. I don't think it has, like, even though it gets the same amount of hate online, I think still people know that like a sumo deadlift is still tough. Well, I think most people, um, for, even though it's technically different, that, that they think that the bench press isn't legit. Sumo is still legit. I don't think they'll ever get rid of the sumo deadlift. I think the one thing that makes sumo, sorry, the one thing that the, it doesn't affect the IPF, but like the one thing I'm against is they're trying to make the bars more flexible in other feds. So like in the IPF, you use the stiffest illegal bar. It's super difficult to, to deadlift on. Like there's no giving it whatsoever, but the design, like the Kabuki deadlift bar, you've heard of Kabuki. Yeah. It's like Texas power, Texas deadlift bars, whippy. Yeah. This is ridiculous, Mr. man. Whippy. You see people put, especially sumo, because the hands are closer. So yeah. it's closer to where the max pull would be. It's fucking getting to the knees before it's brought the floor, man. Wow. And it's getting, wow. it's getting silly. Yeah. yeah. I hate it. Stiffer bar. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, it's just like, that's where I think sumo gets his bad heat because they're like, oh, it's already moved. But it's because they're doing it on the elite, on the finger bar. But with a, an elite car bar, I think that sumo is still credible and I think it will never, never get rid of. Okay. We were joking. It's just got to make sure it's the right equipment. It's got to be a stiff enough bar. Well, yeah. The problem is, is like people want to see the record broken. <laughs> so yeah, they want to see numbers. Yeah. yeah. So then like refereeing gets slightly weaker. Not in IPF because that's legit, but like there's other feds where they're giving high squats because people want to see the world record broken. They're dead if the bars are getting whippier so that it's easier to pull off the floor. So people want to see the records broken. It's getting a little bit looser. Something to be aware of. I was talking on uh, in Worlds when I first got into powerlifting. There's a thing we used to call lemon fresh powerlifting, and it's going towards lemon fresh now. Where lemon fresh powerlifting was high bar squats, close grip bench press, and conventional deadlifts. Ooh, and now you force like you can't do the super wide thingy. Lemon fresh, lemon fresh powerlifting. I'm going to start the lemon what, fresh. What, what does the name come from? I don't know. It's just lemon. It's just fresh, isn't it? It's clean. Lemon fresh, clean. Lemon fresh. So yeah, no sumo's not going anywhere. Do it, man. Uh, start a new fed. There is rumours of uh, the USA PL have set up like in a few different countries and apparently they're setting up a USA England. Oh. So there'll be USA PL England. It's a confusing name, but they've got USA PL Australia, USA PL oh, right. Japan. So they're setting up an England one. So when you talk about like there not being enough comps, maybe that'll solve it. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, we have a question from Matt who says, make Luke talk about his switch 
to hook grip. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I switched to hook grip to, to what's the preference? Wow. <laughs> uh, I switched I to hook grip. Spin on that. Now, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I switched to hook grip two weeks ago, and it was actually off the back of Worlds. Um, I'd been having a couple of issues with my uh, with my deadlift grip, and a lot of times, even though I wasn't letting go of the lift, I did on a couple of sets, but I was feeling it was slipping on one side, causing a little bit of discomfort through the back. Um, I was finding that like I wanted to hold the bar as low in my hands as I could, but I found having to hold it higher and higher to actually hold the bar that it was mm. making my position off the floor, not where I wanted it to be. And I was watching everyone lift at worlds. And like the way that I deadlift now, I really try and emphasize the slack ball, but it's hard with that one hand under because you're naturally short and then through the bicep. And I was just watching everyone pull and how low they could hold it in the hands. And I was like, I need to give this another go. Cause I gave it a goal a few years ago. And I think I got to about mm. 190. The problem is, is trying to learn a hook grip when you've not done it before. If you're already deadlifting decent numbers, yeah. you yeah. haven't got the luxury of going in and doing 80 kilos, then 100. Yes. My, first, get full my first session was 244. And my fucking thumbs were killing. I'm not surprised. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday, I did 245 for four. And then last week, I only did one set. This week, I did two sets. Mate, my thumbs today, like, if you touch my thumb, it's boiling. Yeah. It's hot. Is it... So I've, I mainly switched because it helps me with the slap pull. I can hold the bar a little bit lower in my hands. Does grip feel secure as well, man? Like super secure. And it looks so much more... That's so me, mate. Yeah. I love the hook grip. Yeah, it's way more symmetrical. Uh, there's no windmill at the top. My back feels amazing. Yeah. It's only been two weeks. I don't want to get too ahead of it. Yeah. But I love it. I do like hook grip. My thumbs yeah. are... The f- Back I know. In the day when I used to lift conventional, I like to hook. Did you hook? Yeah, yeah. Decent. Hook. I think like I mean, you watch the kids now, and like that. That's another thing. Like, there's the more info that comes out, everyone hook grips. Mm. All the kids hook grip. There's a little bit of uh, fashion, isn't there? Like things, things go around. Like even the bands and chains, and like yeah, you know, time. Olympic lifts versus jumps. And Do you remember like we that. did a podcast? Right, I did a pod. We did a podcast, and I said hypers were going to be the next big exercise. Yeah, everyone now hypers mate, fifty kilos. One person mentioned it, it's Chance Mitchell. Everyone's doing it. I didn't invent him. Chance Mitchell popularized it. There's a guy called uh, Sean Noriega, and he's hook grip, and he switched to mixed grip for about two weeks, and then everyone switched to mixed grip. It's carnage. It's, funny, it's carnage, man. Carnage. It's like fashion, isn't it, when you see like someone wearing something absolutely, some ridiculous Balenciaga or something, and, and then people take it, it seriously, and everyone like yeah, wears yeah, those yeah. stupid dinosaur shoes. Or... But it is like you said, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. getting hold of stompers. <laughs> these kids but like it was belt squats wasn't it it's hypers it's, yeah 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 you know, all the time well Just, belt squats was it's gone yeah. out a little bit now hasn't it people are still it's, using it but like it was like you had to but, do belt squats I mean queuing up at MSC to use a belt yeah. squat almost and then it's like not, now it's like now it's hypers it's hypers yeah. yeah yeah there you go funny uh, question from Jordan who's asked uh, what is the ideal pre-training breakfast so I think what Jordan's uh, Jordan's someone who trains around lunchtime so I think what Jordan's saying is three hours four hours out from uh, a lifting session what would what would be the what would nutrition look like for Luke Rogers and how you know counters down from my you know T minus four hours or three hours to, to, to a heavy session what I will say before I do this is at, at Worlds, one of the bad things about Worlds was the, the breakfast buffet it was the worst food I've ever eaten. And I, you know, I do like food. I'm a bit of a foodie. I like going out to nice places. But I'll also eat anything. Into that term, Trentino. I went to Trentino over there. But I'll also eat anything. But this was disgusting, Mark. Like, it was cold. It was slop. Gaston's going to fucking murder me now. Um, but it was disgusting. But what I really like, sloppy actually... Sloppy goo. It was sloppy, cold goo. Ugh. But then what I like about it is when you're at Worlds, like, the different countries and what, what they have for breakfast. 
it's like the Asian countries eat a certain way, the Nordic countries eat a certain way, the French eat a certain way. It's really interesting. There's no like consistency country on country. It's not like they're all thinking, like, we've got to get high carb, moderate protein. Like, there's some that are eating like pure fats, like cold cut meats. Eating within the culture. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. There's no consistency. Um, so that's really interesting to me. That's one thing I really like from world. Like, sometimes I'm, I'm not just. I'm not just in the buffet standing in the corner watching what everyone eats, but I do like to be like, okay, so the Japanese are typically eating this. The Swedish, always the Swedish cold cut meats, eggs, fish. Love it. Uh, it's really interesting to me. Mm. So there's no like, you know, because powder is not like this specifically, like you need loads of glycogen or you need loads of carbs to, to get through it. So there's not really like, you can eat kind of, not whatever you want, but I think as yeah. long as it's not stupid, it'll yeah. be okay. For myself, four hours, if I, I train early once, um on a saturday like 11 12 so not that not super early i'd probably have porridge and some whey protein and then an hour or two out i'd probably have either some sweets or some cocoa pops yeah so i'll have like a little bit more kind of like slow easy you know slow digesting carbs um maybe a bit of food of it early and then a couple of hours out i'd have something a bit more fast digesting yeah a Lots. couple of hours out or an hour out or an hour and a half out yeah I used to be a little bit closer, but now I've started to prefer it slightly further out. Yeah. So that breakfast at like eight and then maybe like half 10, 11, have the cereal and then head over for 12. Yeah. So I prefer to have something a bit more sustainable and then a little bit more fast acting. Yeah. Closer to it. There but I think as long as you're not being an idiot, you can get away pretty much eating. It's yeah. not, not everything's going to be optimal, but yes. like hydration, some carbs, some protein. Like we spoke about with Joe, not too many like ridiculously fast, high fats. Fast, exactly. Fast low, yeah. Especially yeah. if you're doing like a high volume session. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, brilliant. Yeah, probably we can probably leave that there with the questions. I think. I think uh, what about the the jackals? Oh, apologies, I almost missed one from uh, Mr. Emperor Ziggy. Uh, <laughs> rumor has it the JQ Jackals game series final is fast approaching. Can Luke confirm? I can confirm that the JQ Jackals will be playing at Aston Uni the second of October against the Sahel Tigers. And That's we have huge. we have a full team. It's game five. It's two two. It's been going on for years. Wow. wow. The finale is happening. So wow. End on a serious one. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Who's um looking to make the starting five for that is? Well Graham is currently in the Seychelles. Oh very nice. So it's gonna be me, Curran, Barney, James. Yeah. And That's, uh, cool yeah we'll see. We'll see for the fifth. Yeah. But yeah, exciting for grabs potentially. Up for grabs, yeah. Marvellous, marvellous. Brilliant. I think it's a nice place to to stop. Yeah. We'll leave it leave it there. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for listening to our powerlifting podcast. Uh, if you have any questions regarding the new rules or if you wanted any more kind of ideas or um, in kind of terms of direction of where you should take your training, um, if you are looking to make changes on the rules, feel free to get in touch. Or if you have any questions regarding anything MSC related or programming related powerlifting or not get in touch and if not we will uh speak to you all soon marvelous thanks for tuning in guys catch you next time